As always, it's so good to be with you. And how are we doing, wonderful parish family? So good to see all of you today. A quick shout out. Uh, did you know that St. Albert the Great was the second top giver to the Crusade for Children in the Archdiocese this year, thanks to your extreme generosity? Uh, you were second only to the parish where a very, very generous parishioner gave $60,000. So uh, that's a wonderful gift uh, to the Ministry of Children. But our hat's off to you. Well, this weekend has been jam-packed with emphasis on the Eucharist. Today is the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Jesus. It is also we uh, begin the distribution of the chalice for those who would like to receive it. Had a wonderful Eucharist, Eucharistic procession at 9.30. Thank you, Laura. You did a fantastic job with that. And if that were not enough, we are now kicking off the Eucharistic revival at the parish level. So, uh, so many good things going on about the Eucharist. So over the next 12 months, in conjunction with the Eucharistic Revival, we will be providing you with numerous opportunities to grow in your understanding and your devotion to the Holy Eucharist. So I suppose as this might be considered a kickoff Sunday, so to speak, I, would, uh, I think we would do well to first address the fundamental question about the Eucharist. We heard it reflected in the gospel readings and the other readings this morning, and it is, why is it important to participate in the Eucharist? Now, I'm sure every one of you has thought about that at one time or another. And, and while there are many reasons, more than I could ever uh, to talk about, I'd like for us to focus this morning on three, three which really are brought out in the scripture readings. The first is that it is important to participate in the Eucharist because it is a testimony to the world of our desire to be identified as one of God's people. It's an identity thing. Um, if you go into the second chapter of 1 Peter, Peter says this. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to you. He says, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood and you are a people belonging to God. So when you participate as one of God's children, one of God's people in the Eucharist, you are saying to the world that I identify myself with God, that I am one of the citizens of the heavenly kingdom. Now, in one sense, I suppose you could say, although it would be a very simplistic thing, I liken this to uh, this reason for receiving the Eucharist to standing before the American flag, placing our hand on our heart, and pledging our allegiance to our great nation. We're identifying ourselves. We're saying, I want to be a part of this. And it's the same way with the Eucharist. When we receive the Eucharist, we are saying, I want to be a part. I belong to the citizenship of the heavenly kingdom. The second thing is that it's important to participate in the Eucharist because there's no greater spiritual nourishment on earth to be received. It's that powerful. Uh, in this life, it's possible, yes, it's possible, regrettably, that we may fall away from Jesus and lose our place in heaven by succumbing to what we call the lingering effects of sin in this life. 
See, the scriptures, if you study the scriptures, <clears throat> they clearly teach that we are joined to Christ on this earth, but we are not yet perfected in that. It's not perfected. It's not complete. It's not whole until we go to be with God in heaven. And one illust uh, beautiful illustration, I think, that's used in the gospel readings to help us understand that we are not yet fully perfected in this life is to distinguish between being betrothed to someone in marriage and also the consummation or the perfection of the marriage which comes at a later time. It's fascinating. It really, I mean, it's so, uh, it's uncanny as a matter of fact. It, the, as you look at the similarity and the likeness, as you look at that and you look at the way our perfect being perfected in heaven goes. I hope you'll study it. It, it, it will definitely help you to grow. So we're not yet perfected. So what are we to do? Are we to cry in our milk? Or what are we to do until that day when we go to the gates of heaven and are perfected and when we enter into heaven are no longer subject to the lingering effects of sin in our lives? What are we to do? Well, we don't lose hope, that's for sure, because of the sacraments. This is where the sacraments become of extreme importance, particularly the Eucharist, the one we're talking about today. The Eucharist, it's the choicest, it's the finest, it's the richest, it's the most nutritious spiritual food for our soul. And when we receive the Eucharist, it makes us spiritually fit so that we don't fall away from God in this life. It is our food in this life. You need, I need the Eucharist. It's that important. I think if you go into the first reading today, the prefiguring of the extreme importance of participating in the Eucharist in this life is clearly evidenced. Look in that first reading. What do we see? Well, the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were about to die from starvation. See, they only uh, took 40 days of provision when they left Egypt to get to the promised land. But because they uh, didn't believe it that God was, that they could actually take the promised land as God had promised, God says, okay, you're going to go wander out in the desert for 40 years. Come back in 40 years and we'll talk about it again. And so they went out into the desert with all they had to eat was sand. And there wasn't any water to drink. And uh, so they, they, were, they were worried. They began worrying themselves about, well, we're going to die from starvation. And what's next? Well, they began complaining to God. God, why did you bring us out here? And then they complained to Moses. Moses, why did you bring us out here? And they form a committee to kill Moses. You know, oh, they were mad. Well, what does God do? He fills their empty stomachs with manna. With manna, as we heard Jesus speak of, bread from heaven, and he wets their parched throats with water that flows out of a solid rock. Now, I'm not talking about a rock that's got cracks in it where it can trickle through it. No, I'm talking about a solid rock. You know, they, he mentions flint, which is solid as you can get. And when uh, Moses taps the rock at God's command, water gushes out. You know, it's like a river flowing, the rivers of living water. See, here's the point. In the desert land, God literally nourishes them lest they should die. 
before reaching the promised land. And the same thing has to apply to the Eucharist as well, definitely. See, it's through the nourishment of the Eucharist in this life that God does the same thing for the soul whose eyes are set on heaven. Everybody's eyes set on heaven this morning? Well, if they are, you need the Eucharist. It's your spiritual nourishment to get you there. What did Jesus say in the gospel? He said, amen, amen. You know what amen means? It means this is very true. This is very, and when he gives a double amen, you know it's really, it's really important. He says, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. Whoever, he goes on to say, eats my flesh, the true food, you know, it's just the true food, and he drinks my blood, he calls it the true drink, he says, has eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to make it to the promised land of heaven? Maybe a better question, is there anybody that doesn't want to make it to the promised land of heaven? Then I strongly exhort and encourage you to receive the spiritual nourishment of the Eucharist on a weekly basis. It's that important. Now I suppose if you believed only if you only believed in the first point that I presented here this morning, that our participation in the Eucharist, it purely symbolizes our public witness of belonging to God, well, you might be able to say that we're talking merely about bread and wine. That's all it is. But to say, to make the outstanding claim that Jesus did, that the Eucharist is our spiritual nourishment in this life, well, you would be compelled. You would be compelled to affirm that it is truly his real presence. As we, as we had the Eucharistic adoration here this morning, I was looking and I was thinking, boy, if I was ad adoring a piece of bread, I, I, would, I would think I was crazy. You know, I would. I'd say, yeah, you're crazy. That's not bread. Not bread like wheat bread. It's the bread of life. That's what it is. See, church, it's extremely important, extremely important that you believe, you affirm what Jesus said with all your heart that the Eucharist is the real body and the real blood of Jesus. The greatest theologian that ever walked on the earth, St. Thomas Aquinas, he had no problem with that. And you know what all he said? Like one sentence. I believe it because Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Case closed. Finally, it's important to participate in the Eucharist because it will allow us to cross over into heaven where something greater than the Eucharist awaits us. Now, on earth, there's nothing greater than the Eucharist. But in heaven, well, that's a different story. It's a different story. Let's go back to our story of the Israelites wandering in the desert. Um, you know, God's provision, once again, his provision of providing them with manna and water for 40 years enabled them to live in order to make it to the border of the promised land. 
But when God, as they were ready to go over into the promised land, God parted the Jordan River and they, they crossed across the Jordan River. What happens? Fascinating. Read it. It's one sentence in Scripture. The manna stops. The manna stops. Now, why would it stop? You know, well, why would it stop? Because now they are in the land that God has promised them. The land that God told Moses, he said in his own words when he was on the mountain and called him to go deliver his people, I will take them to a land that is flowing with milk and honey, not leeks and water, milk and honey. And so on that day when they crossed, the manna stopped. And likewise, the Eucharist, as a matter of fact, all the sacraments will stop when we, once God calls all of his children home, he gathers us together and he shuts the gate behind because the sacraments now have fulfilled their purpose of getting us to heaven. They've given us the graces that we need. They serve a very important purpose today, a monumental purpose today. But once the God closes the gate to the doors of heaven and we're all inside with the Father, that's enough. That's enough. And what happens is something even greater awaits us. What could be greater than the Eucharist? What could be greater? I can think of one thing. The full and the immediate presence of the resurrected Jesus in all of his glory. I can think of that. That is greater than the Eucharist. Now, I find what I'm about to tell you of extreme importance regarding though there being something greater than the Eucharist in heaven. This really uh, sort of nails it, you might call it, so to speak. Uh, today we receive the real presence of Jesus as it is consecrated on what's called the altar of sacrifice. Where's the altar of sacrifice? That's right, you know. This is the altar of sacrifice. What do we call this? We call this the sacrifice of the mass, don't we? That's what we call it, don't we? That's exactly what it's called. And, uh, but in heaven, the altar of sacrifice is not mentioned. Not once. Only one altar is mentioned in heaven. It's the altar of incense. That's the only altar that's mentioned. See, once again, this clearly states that the sacrifice of the Eucharist is no longer necessary in heaven. Why? Well, it goes back to what I said. We've been perfected. But church, we're not perfected yet. <laughs> not in this life. That's why we need the Eucharist. That's why Jesus gave us the Eucharist and all of the other sacraments to go along with it. That's exactly why. And the same thing goes for faith and hope. What Paul say in 1 Corinthians that three things remain. Faith, hope, and one other, didn't he? Well, in heaven, Paul tells us, there's no more faith, there's no more hope. It goes away. Why? Why is that? Why do you need to hope or have faith in something that's already real? You know, you don't need to hope for those things. So what remains? There's only one thing that remains in the kingdom of heaven that will go through that gate. What is it? It's not faith. It's not hope. What is it? Love. Yes. Pure love for all of eternity. So I challenge you this morning, if nothing else, 
if for nothing else, all of the wonderful things I've said, uh, you know, the thought of living in God's kingdom of pure love and walking with Jesus in the streets of heaven is more than satisfactory. It's definitely more than satisfactory to commit yourself to receiving the Eucharist on a weekly basis. It is your food for the journey. Doesn't your heart long for that? Think about that. Well, if it does, I guess I'll see you at Mass next week. <laughs>